0: Hi, I'm Miranda Wright with HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. Today, as we continue studying on the covenants, we're going to look next into the covenant that God made with Abraham. This covenant has more layers than the ones that we've previously looked at so far. This covenant is the first one that has parts that are personal, which are actually more like promises such as that God would make Abraham's name famous. But it also has parts to it that are generational to his seed. Then it has parts to it that are geographical about the land. And most important and encompassing, it has parts in it that are spiritual, that are messianic prophecies that would not be fulfilled until the time of Jesus and some of it not even until his returning. Because of this, I think it is very important as Christians that we understand the Abrahamic covenant, because that though this is the first covenant that applies only to a certain people, remember the two that we've looked at before, the Edemic and the Noahic, they apply to all peoples because everyone came from that lineage. This is the first one that applies only to a certain people, only those who are of the family or household of Abraham it is a covenant that we as Christians are grafted into by the blood of Jesus, which is part of the good news or the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because that when we are grafted into it, we receive the promises and the blessings of it. There were things in this covenant that were promised only to Abraham and those of his household. It is these promises that we as Christians grab hold of through the engrafted blood of Jesus. So let's look a little deeper into it. We're going to start in Genesis chapter 12. Of course, the perimeters and the ordinances of this agreement, of this partnership, of this covenant, cover a lot of scripture, many, many chapters, which we won't be able to cover in this study. So I'm going to take you to key points in it. But I do encourage you to go and read through The chapters in Genesis that give you the full description. But let's start in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. And it says, Now the Lord hath said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. Alright, so in this we see that just like every other covenant, it begins with God speaking. And the human participant having a choice to believe what he is speaking. So Abraham is told by God to get out of your father's land, your father's country, your inheritance, get out of everything that you have in this world. Leave it all behind and go where I send you. Follow my leading, follow my voice in faithful obedience. And Abraham did. He believed and he obeyed. And so God continues saying that if he does this, I will make of thee a great nation. That's the first promise that a great nation would come from Abraham. I will bless thee. That's the second promise. And I will make thy name great and thou shalt be blessed. And I will bless them that bless you and curse them that curse you. And in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. This is an amazing covenant and i want to pull one little section out of this before we go deeper because there's something in it that i think most of us don't understand whenever god made this promise this was for all time that those who blessed abraham which encompassed all of his descendants They would be blessed, but if they cursed them, they would be cursed. So my friend, if you have ever spoken anything against Abraham or his children, which encompasses the church or true Christians as well because they are grafted in, then there's a curse placed upon you. So repent of it, recant it, renounce it, break agreement with it, that that might be lifted off of you and your lineage. Alright, so let's look at some of the other aspects of this covenant because we see that in previous covenants there was a lot of God telling us what we were going to do, such as be fruitful and multiply. But in this one, it's more God telling us what he is going to do. He will make Abraham fruitful and multiply him. So that makes this one very different than the previous. Now we understand that it was always God doing all of it through men, but man didn't seem to get that. So this time, he uses the barren because the point was that when people witness this, then it will stir their faith to trust God's faithfulness and choose to stay in partnership with him rather than in their own vain imaginations that only cause more problems in the end. In the story of Abraham, what we're really seeing here is a demonstration of faith, grace, and works. We understand that we need all three to have the fullness of what God purposes in the earth. We are saved through faith because that when we obey, then God releases the grace in order for us to walk in the works that he has ordained. No one part of this can stand alone on its own. If you don't have all, you don't have any Abraham perfectly demonstrates this. God told him, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. Abraham believed God enough to obey his words. That was faith. So then God released the grace or the power to accomplish the work. Abraham didn't have to bring the promise about but he did have to step out in faith and began to obey and follow the leading of God's voice entirely. It's up to God to see that it is done because it is impossible for man to achieve this. Abraham and his wife were barren and this promise begins with a son but by faith unto obedience will God release it Through those who follow the leading of his spirit, or his voice. Understanding and remembering that voice is spirit. It is what transcends between the spiritual and the physical. When God speaks and we listen, that is his spirit. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice, and another they will not follow. The Bible also says that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Every covenant in scripture began with God speaking something. And the participant choosing to believe it and then began to walk that out in faith just like Abraham did, literally. My grandfather always said, you do your best and God will do the rest because the promises that God gives us are impossible. My friend, if you can achieve your plan yourself in your own strength, then I assure you that it is not God's plan. It is yours. He will give you the one that is absolutely impossible for you, but he will still expect you to begin to step out in those baby steps in faith and then he will catch and carry you with his grace. In hebrews chapter 11 verse 8 it says by faith abraham when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance he obeyed and he went out not even knowing where he was going that is faith for the promise that was given and it's a demonstration for us who are walking out a life of faith in obedience for the promise of heaven we don't know where we're going we have not yet seen it but we are marching towards it to the best of our ability but only god can give it to us but he still expects us daily to prove that we believe the promise of it okay so back to the story abraham packs up his family and all of their things and he left his father's land went where god told him to in faith following his voice his leading every step of the way But when he gets there, it's full of Canaanites. And God says to him in Genesis chapter 12, verse 7, And the Lord appeared unto Abraham and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. Okay, now remember, he said, I'll show you where the land is. Just go, just start moving. So he followed God's leading. And when he got to the location, then God spoke to him and said, This is the land that I will give to your seed. And there built he an altar unto the Lord who had appeared unto him. So at the point at which God tells him, this is the land that I'm going to deliver into your hand, he stops and builds an altar and worships the Lord in it. Okay, so looking back at the original promise or covenant, we see that the first part was to Abraham, right? That God would make him famous. The second part was to his seed that God would make of his children a great and mighty nation. And the third part is about the land. Now at this point, Abraham had no children of his own, but he was raising his nephew Lot, which was his brother's son. And so where Abraham built this altar, they settled down for a while, and they lived and they grew and they multiplied within the land. And he dwelt in this place between Bethel, which was to the west. Bethel means house of God. And a place called Hei to the east, which literally means a heap of ruins. So he's standing in between. He's in this place where the house of God is to the west and this heap of ruins to the east. Now an interesting thing, because that as they began to be blessed, remember God said, I'll bless you. So God did bless them in the physical and they began to multiply and have great wealth. Within Lot, his nephew who was blessed because of Abraham, because that he was with him and Abraham had given him flocks and and he had herdsmen. And then they began to have a conflict over the land that they were in. And Abraham came and told him, he was like, there's no reason for us to have a conflict. We're brethren. Pick whatever land you want and I'll go in the opposite direction. Again, reflecting the good heart and nature that Abraham had. He didn't say, well, this is my promise. This is my land. I'm going to choose the best of it. No, he trusted God to fulfill the promise, just like David didn't run after the crown, but the crown still ran after him. Because my friend, if God gives you a promise, when God makes a covenant, it's up to him to fulfill it. And he will, as long as you maintain your faith in it and continue pressing forward towards it, because it's always been about faith. Don't give up on the race and you will win. It's a race of endurance, not to the swift. So don't get impatient or you'll mess it up like Abraham later did whenever they tried to bring the child of promise about by a different way other than by God's own hand. Okay, so back to the point. There's a conflict in the land. So Abraham tells Lot, choose what you want. Lot looks to the east and it says that it was well watered it was lush it was beautiful it was like the garden of eden in fact scripture describes it and to the west it was not that pleasant so of course lot having a root of selfishness in him there was a spirit that was not quite right there he decides he wants the best even though all of what he had really was for his uncle to begin with but he said I want this land and so Abraham said fine take what you want I'm going to go in the other direction so that pushed Abraham actually more towards Bethel the place of God's dwelling which humility and sacrifice always does Lot moved to the east that looked pleasant but actually was a heap of ruin because he went towards Sodom and Gomorrah, a place of temptation and damnation. My friend, when you look to appease the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, it will bring you to a place of compromise. Abraham went west towards Canaan. Lot went east towards Sodom and Gomorrah. It wasn't the easy road, but it was the right road. And it took him straight into promise. Lot went east towards Sodom and Gomorrah which looked very pleasant, but in the end ended up being a heap of ruins. Stubble, hay, and ash, like all the works of men's hands will be on the final day when it faces God's judgment, like Sodom and Gomorrah did. You see, the Bible tells us very clearly that there is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end of it is death. Lot did not understand that. He wanted what looked and seemed best to his flesh, and in the end he got nothing but ash, while Abraham esteemed not the things of this world, but was willing to sacrifice, having his eyes set on the prize, a city to come not made by man's hands, and because of it he inherited an eternal promise. All right, picking up in Genesis chapter thirteen, verse fourteen, we read this, and the Lord said unto Abraham, After that lot was separated from him. Lift up now thine eyes and look from the place where thou art, northward and southward and eastward and westward. It's an interesting thing that God did not promise him the accompaniment of the land until that he had first sacrificed and given up most of what he had. My friend, Jesus told Peter that there is no man that gives up land, home, or family, that it will not be given back to them and more, both in this life and in the world to come. Abraham was willing to sacrifice, to give up what seemed pleasant to his brother's son. And then God steps in and says, okay, I'm going to give you more. The land that he went into, he said, look, as far as you can see in every direction, I'm going to give it to you because you're a good and faithful and selfless servant. And God said to him, For all the land which thou seest, to you will I give it, and to your seed after you, and I will make your seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. Arise, walk through the land in the length of it, and in the breadth of it, and I will give it unto thee. So here is God's condition to him. If you believe, if you have the faith, walk it out. Walk the length of the land and I will give it unto you. You release the faith, I'll release the grace. I'll make sure the work gets done in its proper season. Simply show me that you believe me. Again, we are reminded that this is a man who is barren, he has no children, and the one adopted son a nephew that he raised has just walked away from him. But yet he believed him, and he presses on, continuing his walk of faith unshaken, still fully persuaded that what God says he is able to accomplish, no matter how impossible it looks in the moment. Now there's another interesting thing too because many times God gives us a promise or speaks something over us and we think he's going to bring it about in an instant but he takes time to work things out, to bring it to a point of perfection. And one of the things, not the only, but one of the things God waited for in this promise, I believe, was for the separation of Lot from the family because it wasn't his inheritance. This was going to come from a seed of Abraham. The Scripture says that God was pleased with Abraham's spirit. And what spirit a man has is imparted to his children. And of course, we just saw that there was a little bit of something selfish in lots so the promise was not to him but to Abraham's lineage and so that we see skipping ahead to Genesis chapter 15 in verse 4 that God waits until the separation of lot before he says this he says and behold the word of the Lord came unto Abraham saying this shall not be thine heir speaking of any adopted children in the household not just lot but also servants God clarifies but he shall come forth out of your own bowels and shall be thine heir. And God brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. Again, he is still barren. He has no personal Children And God is telling him, no, I am reassuring you of the promise that your own lineage coming from your own body are going to be more than the stars of the sea. Please tell me that you still believe this. It says, and he, Abraham, believed in the Lord. Therefore, God counted it unto him. For righteousness, I love this covenant because it so clearly demonstrates that when we believe the voice of the Lord God Almighty, it causes us to be in right standing, which means to do what he says is right. It causes us to partake of his provision, his blessing, his protection, all that he has for us, the glory of heaven comes when we believe. Not believe what we want to believe, but believe what he is speaking. And he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give thee this land to inherit. Now it's interesting because in the New Testament, the Chaldeans were synonymous with demons. The place that God brought Abraham out of was a wicked, vile place. In fact, Abraham's father was an idol maker. So Abraham, in a way, is a representation even of us that God takes out of a place of wickedness and gives a promise for something better if we will follow his leading and walk out this life of faith, believing him completely. And Abraham said unto him, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? And he said unto him, take me a heifer of three years old. This is very important, my friend. I want you to understand this. And a she goat of three years old and a ram of three years old and a turtle dove and a young pigeon. And he took unto him all these and divided them in the midst. In other words, he cut them in half. And laid each piece one against the other. This was a way of making a covenant in the culture, and of the time, they would take these animals and sacrifice, cutting them in half and placing one half on one side of a little gully or ravine, the other half on another side, so that the blood from each part ran together down the middle. And then the ones making the agreement would walk through the blood. It was a blood covenant and they walked through the blood in the middle, making the agreement that if I break my part in this, if I don't fulfill my commitment, then I am agreeing to become like these animals, these sacrifices. This is what the Lord was instructing him to do. And Abraham would have understood this, that God was now at this point making the covenant everything up until this point had been promises and abraham had to continue to walk out in faith but at this point it's being sealed the covenant is being made so abraham did this he said it all out and then he sat there and waited upon the lord it says and then when the fowls or the birds of the air came down upon the carcasses abraham drove them away And when the sun was gone down, a deep sleep fell upon Abraham. So he waited upon the Lord for a long time. The sun goes down and he becomes sleepy. And lo, a horror of great darkness fell upon him. So Abraham falls asleep. And God said unto Abraham, Now know of a surety that thy seed will first be a stranger in a land that is not theirs and shall serve them. He's speaking prophetically of their Egyptian captivity as slaves under pharaoh and they shall afflict them 400 years and also that nation whom they shall serve i will judge remember the promise that he gave him that he would bless those that bless him and his children but he would curse those who come against them this curse was carried out upon Egypt, and it will be carried out again in the final judgment against the spiritual Egypt or the world system, that Antichrist system that comes against both the Christians, the engrafted children, and in the end, Jerusalem also. That judgment, that curse, will come back upon the whole world in the final pouring out of God's wrath and Armageddon. God keeps his promises, both for blessing and for cursing. He told him that nation that they serve, I will judge and afterward shall they come out with great substance and thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace. In other words, telling Abraham that he would die in peace, he wouldn't see this. Thou shalt be buried in a good old age, but in the fourth generation, they shall come hither again. The children would come back to this promised land that Abraham was now in, though it did not rightly belong to him. Yet, except but by promise. For the iniquity of the Amorites is not full yet. You see, God sees the end from the beginning. He doesn't cause these things to happen, but He exists outside of time because time is part of creation. So God knows the consequences of our. Decisions. He knows how things are going to turn out. And he was telling Abraham that the people that lived in the land, though at that time they weren't that wicked, he knew they were going to become wicked. And at the point at which they needed to be dealt with, then he would bring the children back in to possess the land. And to take it out of their hands. And indeed that really did happen whenever the children of God came back to take the promised land. The cultures there had become so vile and so wicked. They were sacrificing their children in such horrific ways. They were full of decadence and selfishness and perversion and murder, and violence, and hatred, and envy, it had come to a point that it was unjust for God to allow it to continue bringing so much death, pain, and destruction, so that he brought his children in to overtake the land, claim it, and bring peace to it. Again, God in this moment was prophesying this to Abraham, and after speaking this to Abraham, it says that it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, A smoking furnace and a burning lamp passed between those pieces, those animals that had been divided. The ritual of the blood covenant that I just described to you. In the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying unto thy seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates the Kenites, and the Kenizzites, and the Kadmonites, and the Hittites, and the Perizzites, and the Rephiams, and the Amorites, and the Canaanites, and the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. Now I want you to understand what happened. Remember when I explained to you the process of making a blood covenant in this culture and time period. Both parties are to walk through the blood and make their agreement that if we don't uphold our part in it, then I will be like these animals, these sacrifices. But an interesting thing happened. God waited until night fell and a sleep fell upon Abraham. And what is described here is very interesting and very sobering. It said a lamp, a flame of fire, passed through the pieces. Not Abraham. God made this covenant. And because of this, Many come to the conclusion that this covenant is unconditional. But I assure you of this, my friend, it was certainly not unconsequential. Because there were clear consequences laid out for the breaking of this agreement. But the consequences were laid on only one party. On God. I will be as these animals. A blood sacrifice. And he upheld that promise on the cross. He was bruised for our sins. The lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world, his blood poured out for us. Just like those animals. I will be as these animals if either party breaks the covenant. God didn't fail to upkeep his part. We did. But the consequences of our sin was laid on him because he's the only one that made the covenant. Abraham's only part was to believe it. In Genesis chapter 17, the symbol of this covenant is explained. We're not going to read it. You can read it if you want, but it is the practice of circumcision, the physical circumcision of the flesh was the symbol or the token of the Abrahamic covenant, just like the rainbow was the symbol of the Noahic covenant. This is why all who were of the lineage of Abraham partook of circumcision. It was a sign that they were recipients of this covenant. And this is why many Christians today continue the practice of circumcision because that they are proclaiming that they are grafted in to the blessings and promises of Abraham. Though it is no longer necessary, we'll cover that more when we talk about the new covenant. There is nothing wrong with still observing it as a sign of belief and faith like Abraham did. Now it's an interesting thing here because we started way back in the beginning of Genesis when God first gave the promise, but yet we just come to the point where he's actually making the covenant. Because, again, remember, I said that it started with the releasing of faith on Abraham's part, but then God, at this point, releases the grace and seals the work. It will come to fruition, and it's God's place to complete it. There was actually 25 years between when the promise was given to Abraham and the point at which the son of promise came to this barren couple. 25 years he had to stand in faith for God to release the grace so that Sarah could bring forth the work. Yet was it something that only God could do through her? 25 years of believing and obeying and even making mistakes and repenting and turning away from them and getting back into alignment with the original promise so that by the time that Isaac came, Abraham was fully persuaded to the point that he knew that God would finish what he started even if he had to raise Isaac from the dead to do it. So that when God asked him to lay the promise down, he did it fully knowing that God would make a way through it because he had faith in God's faithfulness and in doing so set the standard for the nation and the generations that would come after him. That one day his son, a descendant, would demonstrate This same faith in God's faithfulness by laying his own life down for us. That son, that seed of Abraham was Jesus. In Galatians chapter 3 verse 6 we read this, Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith the same are of the children of Abraham. And the scriptures foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all the nations be blessed, so that they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. It was the gospel of Jesus. It was accounted unto him for righteousness because he believed God. He believed In the promise of the Messiah looking forward, we are blessed and are saved by that same faith that Abraham had in believing in Jesus, the Messiah, looking back to what he did. Abraham looked forward to what he would do. We look back to what he did and even forward to when he returns again to finish what he started. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, it says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is one that hangeth on a tree, that the blessings of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promises of the Spirit through faith. Jumping down to verse 16, it says, Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not, And to the seeds, plural, as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ and Christ alone. You see, the promises of Abraham went to Abraham and to his seed. That is the promise. Of the city to come not made by hands that new Jerusalem, the beauty of heaven, redemption, that all of the nations of the world would be blessed through him. These things were promised to Abraham and to the seed, to the one that would come from him. Jesus was the seed promised in the Abrahamic covenant that would bless the whole world. Jesus was the seed promised in the Edemic covenant that would bruise the head of the serpent. Jesus is the seed, the second Adam, the son of Abraham. He is that spirit of holiness that will be planted in the hearts of everyone who is willing to receive him, to produce the peaceable fruits of righteousness that he said would be the evidence that we truly had his spirit. Jesus was always the seed The devil, that old serpent in the garden, was always the weed. He was planting the lies of the enemy. Remember the parable that Jesus gave about the master who planted good seed in his field, but then an enemy came in and sowed tares among it. And he said, let them grow up together, because if we pull them all up now, they'll uproot each other. But there's a harvest coming, and there will be a separating between them. Make sure that when that day comes, you're found among the faithful ones, having that seed of Jesus, being that wheat, believing like Abraham. Hebrews 11 tells us that Abraham's faith was not merely for a physical city or promised land, but for the new Jerusalem to come and a heavenly home. That by faith in these eternal promises, he pressed on, seeking and believing God. Until his last breath, he endured until the end and stayed faithful, believing in God's promises. And it was counted unto him for righteousness. This is why the scripture tells us that without faith, it is impossible to please God and that those who come to God must really believe that he is God and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Abraham believed this. In Romans chapter 4, verse 16, we read, Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace. Again, reminding us that grace is only released once that we have first released faith. To the end that the promise might be sure to all the seed. Not to those only which are of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Because that Abraham believed God, who quickeneth the dead, calling those things which were not yet as though they already were, Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken. So shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body. Now as good as dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being Fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform it, and therefore it was imputed unto him for righteousness. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him for righteousness, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again. For our justification. Oh, my friend, the beauty of the Abrahamic covenant is that it spans the ages from the time of Abraham and Sarah through the Exodus all the way to Jesus. And it won't actually truly fully be completed until he returns and brings with him New Jerusalem. Because the full expanse of the territory promised has not yet been given, but it will. At the Battle of Armageddon. He may take his time doing it. But God is faithful to finish what he started. Many teach that this covenant is unconditional. And though many parts of it are because God's will will be done. He has made that evident. I say that there was a condition for it. And that condition still stands for our adoption into it. And that condition is faith. A promise was given. Faith was placed in it. Abraham literally began to walk in that faith. Then the covenant was made and grace given to make the impossible happen as he continued to walk in it all the days of his life. He kept the faith, and we must too. It's the only condition. Keep believing and following the leading of the Holy Spirit, of Jesus. Paul said it like this, At the end of his life, in 2 Timothy 4, verse 6, he said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Therefore, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, my righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all those who love his appearing. Paul told the Jewish believers in Hebrews 10, verse 35, Cast not away, therefore your confidence which have great recompense of the reward. For ye have need of patience, like Abraham demonstrated, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. So know that the just will have to live by faith. But if any man draw back from that faith, then my soul will shall have no pleasure in him remember again my friend that without faith it is impossible to please the lord it was the faith of abraham that so pleased god and it says it was imputed unto him for righteousness because of it abraham believed god that's all he's ever wanted from the beginning every covenant that he ever made with men every partnership it was all about him simply speaking what was best for them and hoping they would believe it and follow his leading to work together, to build something better than they could ever hope to achieve, trusting in their own intellect, which is really only their own pride, manipulated by the lies of the enemy. Abraham kept believing God. He went where God told him to go. He did what God told him to do. He lived for what God told him was coming and never turned from it. When he made a mistake, he repented and got back in alignment with the original promises. He continued believing what God spoke to him. He looked forward in faith to Jesus while we look back to him, and we keep believing for the city of promise that is still coming, the one not made by hands, just like faithful Abraham. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, we read this, by faith, Abraham and maker is God. And all of these mentioned died in faith, not even having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. Prophetically in the future, they believed for it and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed this that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things as this declare plainly that they seek a country that is yet coming, for they desire a better country that is a heavenly one, wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he truly has prepared for them a city. My friend, do you believe it? Entirely. Do you believe that God came and gave a promise to a man named Abraham? A promise of a land and a territory and a city coming who was not built by the hands of man but by God himself. That one day a man would arise from the seed of Abraham that would bless all of the world and bring the family together again. If we have faith for what is coming just like Abraham did and continue to walk that out in faith, until the end, that God will not be ashamed to call us his children, and he will welcome us into that city of promise and make us inhabitants of New Jerusalem. I believe it. I am fully persuaded that what he has promised he will accomplish, just like Abraham did when he laid Isaac on the altar, knowing that God said he would do it, he would come through, and that even if this promise died, he would resurrect it to make it come true. Do you have the faith of Abraham? Do you believe what Jesus did for you? That God is giving that promise of a resurrection to come, that God is promising a new Jerusalem, that God is promising eternal life and glory and kingship, that God is promising those who believe, just like Abraham did, will be blessed, will be his children, will be a holy nation and a royal priesthood? Do you believe that he is able to accomplish it? No matter how impossible, it seems in the moment that even if he has to raise someone from the dead to do it, do you believe in the God that raised Jesus Christ from the dead? Because if you believe in his resurrection, then you have to believe that he'll do it for us also that there is going to come a day when those who have the same faith that Abraham did are going to be resurrected out of the grave and they're going to live and rule and reign with him in New Jerusalem. Do you have the faith of Abraham? Because if you do, then you too are grafted in to this covenant. This message was brought to you by HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.